These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Our guest today is Dr. Virgie Bright Ellington, who's written an incredible and practical book called What Your Doctor Wants You to Know to Crush Medical Debt. Welcome to Healthcare Untold, Dr. Ellington. Oh my gosh, Barbara, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I can't say enough about your book. You know, most of us don't really know how doctors, health systems, insurance company charges us for our medical care. And your book really provides a step-by-step process that educates us through true stories and provides pathways to advocate for ourselves not to be destroyed by medical debt. So tell us more about why you wrote this book. Yeah, so uh, Barbara, my my story, I have to say, is um, one that I did not expect to, to happen. I didn't expect uh, my journey to lead me here. Um, I had been, I have been a board certified internal medicine physician for almost 25 years, and I'd been a health insurance executive for a very large, large uh, publicly traded private commercial health insurance company for 10 years. And so I thought I knew like the whole perspective of accurate billing uh, in terms of like the whole like 360 degree view worldview in the United States of um, the U.S. healthcare systems billing and how it works and how it's supposed to work and that kind of thing. But Barbara, it wasn't until I was admitted to the hospital, I uh, became uh, really ill, was admitted to the hospital And my hospital roommate uh, was telling me stories about how, um, you know, how she spent a lot of time together. We three days, you know, uh, um, just with nothing to do, but um, to try to be still because we're sore from surgery or whatever. Uh, So we talked a lot and we really bonded. And uh, she was telling me about how she came to the States. She was a young Latina sister with uh, two young um, preschool age toddlers. And uh, she wasn't, because of that, they're not school age yet. She wasn't able to work outside the home. And so her husband was the only income, uh, providing the only income at that time. And he worked for a 24 hour diner. And so she had insurance through her husband's uh, employer, but obviously, you know, very modest income, right? And um, she's going on and on. And then she's, she starts to tell me that, yeah, you know, I'm really worried about the bill from this day. And she says, you know, I have insurance and everything. And, you know, I asked her, you know, yeah, if you don't have insurance, it's going to be expensive. And she says, actually, I have insurance. Um, but she said, I was here a year ago for the same thing, did a lot of tests. And at the end of the, the week that she is was there, the on the day of discharge, a representative from the billing department, the hospital's billing department, came in and told her that before she could leave, she had to sign an agreement that she would pay whatever the insurance didn't pay for that hospital stay. 
And Barbara, let me tell you, the curtain dropped. I saw red. I was enraged because I knew that she had just signed her family into a lifetime of nothing but debt, probably bankruptcy, uh, but just there for the rest of just destroyed the family's financial future forever. And then I thought, you know what, Virgie, don't get angry. Don't get mad. Get to getting do something. And that's how Crush Medical Debt was born. So Crush Medical Debt is a essentially a, an education media brand that helps people struggling with medical bills. And what we do is teach people the one right way to pay a medical bill so you're not taken advantage of, you're not bullied, you're not intimidated and, and scared into doing something that so that you know your rights. You're not scared into doing something when you're at your most vulnerable, when we're at our most vulnerable. So I I talk about that. You know, I say, you know what? There's three steps in the only one right way to pay a medical bill. Step one is you get a statement in the mail from or email from the hospital or facility, wherever you were seen. And often, and I call it, Barbara, I call them statements because over time doing this work, I realized they're not real bills. They're statements hoping that you will fall for whatever number they print in the patient owes this section. And a real bill has what's called CPT codes. CPT codes are the exact same thing as barcodes. When you go into a store, every product has a bar, uh, barcode on it. You take the product, you run it through the scanner, and it up pops a description, a brief description of the product and the price that that retailer is charging for that product. Same thing with medical bills. Every single service, medical service in the United States has a barcode and it's called a CPT code. And what you're going to do is take that CPT code. And and I I use the term, everybody uses the term CPT code, Barbara, because I know people in the industry who've been doing this, working with CPT codes for years, like insurance companies for years, and they can't remember what it stands for. It's just a long, complicated name. It's actually common procedural terminology. That's why we call it CPT codes. And actually, I was talking to a, a radio host not too long ago, and he says, you know what? They should be called can't pay this. That's what CPT should stand for. Can't pay this code. <laughs> but anyway, right. and so, by the way, Dr. Yeah. Ellington, there are thousands of those. There's uh, more than approximately, I'd say my last count, I was a few years ago was about 350,000. So every single thing that you can, anytime you have any contact with anything in the United States medical care or healthcare system, there's a code for that. There's a barcode for that. There's a CPT code for that. So for instance, if you just go to your doctor for a visit, and this is your primary care doctor, you've seen them before, CPT code 99213 is an example of or stands for represents an established patient. You've seen this doc before or somebody in the docs in their group and um, it's an office visit. So an established 
office visit. So it's, that's an example. So what you're going to do is you're going to call that number on this statement that you get. And the number is to the billing department. They'll say questions or do you need help paying this? You want to make a payment plan? No, you're not going to go there first. You're not going to do that. But you are going to call that number. So step one, you're going to call and ask the, the number, the billing department for a real bill with CPT codes. Then step two, when you get those codes, you're going to take them and Google them. You're going to put them in the internet search and it will tell you, hey, okay, 99213 is an established office visit of, of about 20 minutes or 30 minutes or something. Just make sure each of those codes that pop up, the descriptions sound like the services you receive. So it doesn't, you know, it's not like you were there for five minutes and you got billed for 30 minutes or you went to the emergency room and it turns out you just needed some stitches and you were just there for 10 minutes and you got billed, you know, something simple or straightforward. You were there for 30 minutes or an hour, but your care only required stitches, but they bill you for like high intensity care level. Just make sure it just sounds roughly like what you got, the services that you received, the care you received, and make sure you're not getting double billed, you know, just, ma just making sure it just sounds right. And while you're there Googling, you're going to Google what Medicare, the government health insurance pays providers, pays the provider for that service. And the reason why this is important, Barbara, is because Medicare is what hospitals, medical systems, that's, that is what I call like basic retail. Anything above that on on usually is about the retail, what I call the MRSP, the manufacturer retail sticker price that you get like on a car, right? The price they, they're hoping they'll get, but you know that you, you need to negotiate. So they're hoping because in this system, the 99% of the American public don't know that you're supposed to negotiate all bills, all medical bills are negotiable. So what they do is they bill you a rate that is 300 to 500 and sometimes 1,000 or 2,000% more than what Medicare pays for that exact same service. Wow. Now, there are some people that do this kind of work, Barbara, who say, well, you know, you're going to get a lot of pushback from the hospital billing departments because they'll say, well, if everybody paid the Medicare rate, then we wouldn't be able to stay in business. I'm not so sure about that. But anyway, there are other people that do this kind of work because of that pushback. They'll say, okay, start at two times Medicare rate. Get the number of what Medicare pays and double it. And that's the point where you negotiate. And that's where you say, well, I'm willing and able to pay. Mm, I say start Medicare. And so once you have that information, you're ready for step three. You're going to call back the billing department and say, hmm, you charge me, let's say, and these are, unfortunately, Barbara, these aren't outrageous numbers. They're, they're description of, of, of what actually the numbers that actually happen, unfortunately. But you'll call them back and you'll say, hmm, you billed me $10,000 for this hernia repair surgery, this emergency hernia repair surgery I had to have. But Medicare only pays $2,000 for this. I want a one interest-free 
to payment plan that I can afford until it's paid off. Now, for a $2,000 bill, let's say you can only afford, you're really stretching it $100 a month. You're going to get pushed back. They're trained to do this. The billing representatives that are saying, well, you know what? It's going to take us forever to get paid. Can you do 250? Well, if you can't, no, the answer is no. Stick to your budget. And the reason why they'll eventually accept this, Barbara, is because they know, how does it go? A little bit of something is better than all of nothing. And instead of having to chase you over time for it, where they may eventually have to send it to collections and they get pennies on the dollar, they know, look, you know, we're better off getting, at least we'll get paid. Now, some people will feel badly because they'll say, I have this huge medical bill and it's going to take me five, seven, 10 years to pay off. So what? Make sure it stays in your family's budget, your budget, your family's budget. Don't ruin your financial, your family's financial future. Make sure that you have enough money to make your car payment. We can get to and from work that you keep a shelter over your head and your family's head. If all those things come first, medical bills only that you can afford, they come last. Make sure you, you protect your way to get to and from work and protect your family's um, health and, and, and safety. So CPT codes, ask for those. Mm-hmm. Over the information on Medicare rates, Medicare rates, yes, and negotiate. And you yes, talked ma'am. a little bit of an example of how you would buy a car. And for particularly for Latinos, I want to remind them that you know, in Mexico and many other countries, you negotiate, right? So not to be fearful of that negotiation based on your ability. Unfortunately, they know people are intimidated. They're scared. Or, and also they, we assume that the medical system is honest and accurate, that these bills, they're not going to make up bills. This is what I must owe. No, 80 to 90% of every medical bill that is generated in the United States, Barbara, have errors. They have mistakes. And think about it. I'm just going to give you one guess. Do you think it's going to be in the favor of the patient, the American public? No, it's going to be in the favor of the provider and or the insurance company if you have insurance. So no, every medical bill is negotiable, please. And don't be afraid to say, no, I, I can't do this. This is what I can do. And I just want people to remember that these executives at the insurance companies, these executives at these health systems, and I know this a little bit, is that um, an example is in a public health system, somebody who runs a hospital might make 400, maybe a half a million, which is really good pay because they're really doing a big job. But some of these folks who are doing the same job are making 15 million. So you see where their debt, where their profit goes. So just to keep that in the consumer mind, that for many of our systems, it's about profit. Um, And we have to remember Barbara, let me correct you there. Let's be very clear. It's not many of our systems. Be very clear. The United States healthcare system is a for-profit system where you risk dying or an early death if you cannot pay your bills. Period. Well, thank you for that. Very clear. Thank you for that. Thank you for yeah. that clarification. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. So that's why you protect yourself. They have plenty of 
They have plenty of cushion and I won't waste time talking about why that is and why the system isn't going to change anytime soon. So in the meantime, they're very cushed. The number they throw out there is a wish. They hope that you'll fall for it. They're wishing and hoping that you'll be like 99% of the American population who, <laughs> the reason why they don't give you this information, you don't know and that you'll fall for it. You're not going to fall for it anymore. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ellington. Tell us a story because you have several stories in your book that I thought were really powerful. Why don't you share one of those stories with us? So people get a real hands-on. Yeah. Um, one of the stories that really, um, there's many stories. I have to, but I have to be honest, this, the story that started it all, that really moves me. And if I talk about these stories, sometimes too much, I get emotional. It really gets me upset. But my the the biggest story I always think about is my hospital roommate. And she's, you know, her mm -hmm. being taken advantage of and intimidated and bullied into thinking that she, you know, couldn't leave the hospital. <laughs> that's Can you called imagine? kidnapping. Right. That's called kidnapping. That's illegal. Right. right. <laughs> you know, she could have called 911 on her cell phone and said, you know what, they're holding me hostage. You know, I need help. Right. Well, like, exactly. And so that's a point of information that people should not be signing anything that says they're going to pay anything oh, oh, until they leave and have the opportunity to kind of review their. Well, that's bills. one of the many things I say, please don't sign anything. So you, you think when you walk in, usually uh, we end up in a hospital from an emergency perspective and we think, oh my gosh, I have to sign. Otherwise they won't help me. Well, think about it. If it's an emergency situation, sometimes we're not conscious. We're unconscious. We're so sick. We can't sign. Well, there are federal laws that say for this very reason that you cannot be forced to sign anything or to pay anything or agree to pay anything when you are in distress. So they have to, by law, emergency rooms have to stabilize you and make sure you're safe and healthy before they send you to another facility if you refuse to pay or agree to pay any bill. So I just tell people don't sign anything and especially don't sign those. Now they have those uh, electric bars, signature bars. Right. They're not connected to anything. What are you signing? Right. You don't know what you're signing. So you what you're doing is, um, you sign those bars and then uh, down the road, you can get a call saying, well, you owe thousands and thousands of dollars or hundreds and thousands of dollars. And you're like, well, no, I don't remember signing that. Well, no, because you signed something that you didn't have the ability to read. I tell people, if you're going to read something, if you're going to think about signing something in an emergency room or any when it comes to signing any medical facility outpatient, if you're just going for physical therapy, it doesn't matter to a regular, your primary care doctor's office. And they ask you to sign something, say, no, I need you to print it out. And they'll say, well, it's just saying this and this, and they'll tell you what it's allegedly says. No, never. And it doesn't matter how long the line is, how many people are in the line. It only takes them a few minutes. And if they get upset, it doesn't matter. Even if their printer isn't working, you're not going to sign anything until you get it printed out. You read it, maybe you'll sign it, but you don't have to. That's that's an important point. But getting back to your question about another story in the book is, um, again, these are stories that, you know, happened to me and mine, my loved ones. And fortunately, you know, they... Um, 
are related to, you know, <laughs> either, you know, the best friend or, you know, uh, married to someone who um, knows the system and knows how not to get taken advantage of. But briefly, um, my best friend, her daughter uh, is a type one diabetic and um, had a complication uh, that people are really afraid of with uh, diabetes, type one diabetes, which means you make no insulin whatsoever. And, um, uh, it's called, it's got a long fancy name It's called, uh, diabetic ketoacidosis or DKA for short. And it's life-threatening. It can, there are people, unfortunately that die from it. Um, it's serious and critical, a critical situation an emergency. And so, they got her to the nearest hospital. They drove her to the nearest hospital and they stabilized her. But because she was only, I think like 16 at the time, um, they needed to transfer her. They got her stabilized, but they needed to transfer to a facility, a children's hospital that specialized in children's issues, a children's hospital type one diabetes kind of thing. And so they had an ambulance transfer her from the first facility where they stabilized her to the um, pediatric intensive care unit, the nearest pediatric intensive care unit. And she came home, you know, a few days later, they did say, you know, what if you had waited even a few more hours, this would have been bad. You, this could have killed you. Um, so we felt very fortunate. And then a bill came like, I wanna say like nine months later, Barbara, and make a long story short, it was a bill for $2,400, if I remember correctly. Uh, was, I think it was a little less than $2,500. Let's just call it $2,400. And, you know, um, my my best friend calls me and she said, Virgie, she said, you know, I got this bill for $2,400. Now, my best friend was a single parent at the time. She was the mother of a teenager and a toddler, um, worked two jobs, Um it was, yeah. this would have been a big deal, a big deal. Uh, $2,400 was a, a problem for her and uh, a serious problem. And I, she says, you know, can you take a look at this bill? And I took a look at it and Barbara, um, the CPT codes with every bill, you're going to run the same three steps. The, usually you find out the problem in the very first step. And that was the case with this story. Uh, the CPT code was for a non-emergent emergency transport, non-emergent ambulance transportation. Like what? There is no, she said, she, and my best friend had said, you know, by the way, the insurance said that they weren't paying this. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the hook for the whole $2,400. And that's why she wanted me to look at it. And I said to her, I said, the CPT code that they billed was for very expensive <laughs> ride to the to the hospital right. that no insurance company in the world, let alone the United States, is going to pay for. You're not going to pay for your, a cush ride to, you know, like a, a, a very nice limo ride to the hospital if it's not an emergency. No, they're not going to pay for that. And so I told her, I said, it was obviously very much an emergency. You call them back and tell them they billed the wrong CPT code. She calls them back and they said, oh, our mistake. Just right. disregard that bill. And I swear, Barbara, that was three, almost four years ago. 
and they never heard from them. She never heard from them again. Right. And, you know, when people negotiate with these billers um, and knowing a little bit about, you know, that frontline biller, um, is there another layer that people should go to when they feel like this person isn't budging or they're just being really tough on you and then yeah. they start getting a little meaner to you? Yeah, trying to intimidate those... you, bullying yeah. you, just being nasty, rude, right. just cruel, frankly, you know. And and people, you know, people have been trained and some people come by it naturally <laughs> where they can be make, they can be very cruel without using any curse words you know, um, without using any, any foul language, um, you can, you know, you can tell when people are being nasty without them saying a word. Right. Right. And so that's part of what they do to try to intimidate you and think that it's you, that you're doing something wrong. No, never. Always, always. How does the saying go? You can catch more flies with honey than vinegar, Right. And if you're not getting anywhere with that person, always assume that people are trying their best, but they don't know any better. They're doing the best they can. This is the way these frontline people have been trained, Barbara. And told how to treat people. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so what I tell people, if you're not getting anywhere with someone, you know, politely ask, you know what, can I speak with a supervisor to help me? If you're not getting any progress or you're feeling intimidated or scared, just say, you know what? Um, I'm really confused. Can you can you um, give me the the number to your supervisor to not your a supervisor um, to help me because I'm I'm not understanding this and I need more help. That's good. That's good. And you know, it just seems to me, Dr. Ellington, that um, it's a really important part mm-hmm. of us being consumers, medical consumers. That, you know, when you're picking your fruit, you're looking for the best fruit and, you know, you're not going to buy something that, you know, that's not uh, the best of the best. And so when you don't do go into care, you have to kind of act in the same manner in the aspect that you want to advocate for your quality of your care. And you also want to ensure that you're being treated uh, fairly in terms of how people are billing you. And is it not true that people, bankruptcy um, is, um, the number one reason for bankruptcy is medical debt. Mm-hmm. The um, number one, America's number one cause of debt, stress, and bankruptcy in the United States is medical bills. And the thing is, Barbara, it doesn't have to be that way. Not only it should not be that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. If we as consumers, we as the people, we as the public um, protect ourselves, arm ourselves with knowledge and protect ourselves, negotiate everything. Don't accept (laughs) it. Never pay the first bill. (laughs) Usually it's not a real bill. That's right. That's beautiful. (laughs) Well, you know, you've been in the trenches of this system, Dr. Ellington. Give us your little dream of, because, you know, healthcare and toad is really wanting to tell their untold stories, but we really want to give people, you know, what kind of health system should we be having around these costs? Oh, gosh, Um, you're going to get me started. I'm going to get emotional. Um, (laughs) I'm what we should have. And um, our, our, the ideal is Medicare for all. So government, taxpayer, care for all who want and need it. 
And the difference between Medicare for all and making it mandatory, which is ridiculous, you can't do that in this country. We're a capitalist country. You can't mandate that we do anything. Um, there's always going to be a two-tier system in this country. There's always going to be the haves and the have-nots. We want to give people the choice of having basic minimal care if we need it or want it, just baseline. And if you want to pay for something that's more expensive or uh, that's more experimental or that kind of thing, fine. Um, but we really need to have some basic modicum of care, minimal care, basic health care for all of us. And the reason why that is, is because it was shown to us during the pandemic. Basic health care is public health, is keeping all of us safe. We've learned that we don't want folks who don't have access to basic health care out in the streets with us, driving with us, um, riding public transportation with us in the stores, in the communities, on our sidewalks with each other, because we're putting that is putting people who we love at risk. We're all in this system of things together and none of us are gonna get out alive. A rising tide really does lift all boats. What's good for you is good for me. And you know, it's, it's basically, I'm, I'm a physician, I'm a scientist. I believe in, in science. It's a law of gravity. A rising tide does lift all boats. And, and that's what's needed now. The reason why I get emotional about it, Barbara, is because it's not going to happen. I don't think in my lifetime, and that's another story for another day, why it won't. Um, but um, in the meantime, that's, you know, I, I would say maybe in about 40 years. So in the meantime, we got to protect ourselves, that's learn right. the system, learn um, not to be taken advantage of, arm ourselves, protect ourselves. And so, you know what, there's only one right way to pay a bill, anything else you're trying to take advantage of me and ruin my financial future and ruin my family's future. Ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen on my watch. Beautiful. Well, Dr. Ellington, I've learned so much from you today and I really want to thank you. And I want our listening audience to think about buying her book. It's called what your doctor wants you to know to crush medical debt. Thank you, Dr. Ellington. You had a beautiful uh, book and thank you so much for writing it and your commitment to our communities um, to ensure we have a healthy life. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Barbara, for having me. It was so wonderful talking with you. I've been looking forward to it and thank you for what you do. It's much appreciated. Oh, thank you, Dr. Ellington. I really appreciate that. Are you affected by chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD? COPD can be difficult to manage even with existing medications. Charles Park is seeking volunteers for a clinical trial to investigate a new treatment for adults ages 40 to 85 with moderate to severe COPD. Clinical trials help you to better understand your condition and help inform the development of future treatments for COPD. See if you qualify at charlespark.com backslash trial backslash COPD. Healthcare untold. Healthcare untold. Healthcare untold.